Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. And one of the things that I'm hoping you will see at this point is that we are extremely focused on living a better life. And one of the most important components of that is getting the direction and the one-on-one work that you need in order to live better. So I am a strong proponent of coaching. I do a lot of coaching myself, and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to please do what many other people have done. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. There's no obligation to you whatsoever uh, to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And if that might not be the case, I would be thrilled to introduce you to any of the multitude of options and networks and people that I know who could provide that help. So again, please reach out via social channels, whatever it might be. I don't think I'm too hard to find. Certainly not, I hope. And, uh, and, and let me know how I could be of benefit to you. Thank you so much. Okay, so there's a basic question, which is this concept called loneliness. Now, nowadays, we might think that it's not such a big deal because, well, frankly, with the advent of the internet, we're never alone anymore. And it's fascinating because around the year 2008, the social media world changed fundamentally, where instead of social media being something that you were interacting with your friends, the corporate interests being what they were, changed it so the algorithm started and then corporate interests started getting involved. And so the goal wasn't necessarily you interacting with your friends, but rather what it was, was that different companies would want you always looking at the social platforms. So that was a big milestone. Also, if you look, the cable news station and the rise of cable in general allowed it from it just being a time when TV was on and then TV was off to this nonstop 24-hour news cycle. And then if there's a 24-hour news cycle, well, we all know that the news cycle is primarily there to sell um, ads And so other stores came online and other channels came online and all these specialty channels. So you think about the Food Network or you think about uh, Home and Gardens or you think about the Cartoon Network, all of these sports, the 25 different ESPNs. So they're all highly niched marketing efforts to get you, Mr. or Mrs. Consumer, watching for a long period of time so that the interest could support and could pay so that they could market to you. So it's a fascinating thing. So throughout the last, let's say, 20 years, our social media and our national media and all of our media has been vastly expanding with the net result of us never feeling alone because there's always something to watch. There's always stuff going on and it's happening across multiple channels across all of the different platforms and devices. You have just in any given moment, I am wearing at least three types of technology. You have the iWatch, I have my AirPods, I have my phone. We all have iPads and, and, and it's, it's crazy. And we also have, you know, like you have the ability to get a TV and cable and all the things that that offers. Uh, so there is this massive 
fluctuation, this massive change where all of the information is all over the place and you're always having access to it, which theoretically speaking should set a person up where they are never alone. And now there's in fact pushback on the other end, certainly in terms of Instagram, and I'm not sure all the other platforms, where if they sense that you're on for too long, they'll actually send you a message that says you're caught up now. So that's a fascinating concept that even the platforms themselves are working hard to try to get you off of them. Let's see how effective they are. But the idea is that theoretically speaking, a person was is never alone. Now, more than that, and even more fundamental, is that a person, we dealt with loneliness long before we had access to in infinite content. And not for one second am I saying that the way to get rid of loneliness is by consistently consuming content. For sure not, right? But what it's evident is that maybe it's possible if we would ask someone, do you feel alone? It's possible someone might think to themselves, there's always the opportunity to have content. I'm never going to be bored again. Now, the reality is most of us hopefully are aware that that's not true. And eventually there comes a point where you want to get off your couch. Now, it's absolutely fascinating also is we think to themselves, one might think to themselves, you know, I'm not with, I'm not, I don't maybe I don't have kids. Maybe I'm not married. Maybe I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. So I'm lonely because I'm by myself. But on the flip side, and this is, an awkward thing to think about or to suggest. However, there's a best-selling book right now that talks about this, which is that even when you might be married, even when you might be surrounded by people, you could be in the middle of a party and you can feel completely alone. And it's like, what's the deal with that? And, and if I can say it in another way, it's that sense of being unseen. You might be married for 30 years, but the person you're with doesn't see you. You might be surrounded by people at all times, but nobody sees you. And it's such a strange idea because like, where does that come from? What does that mean? What is that innate desire that we want? And it's fascinating, I'll pull just another example from the social media world and the revolution is the addiction to followers and the addiction to likes. And it's like, why is it more value? But I'm not saying, I'm not taking offense at this. I'm not uh, suggesting it. We're just looking at it as a psychological concept. It's like, why should it be that 40,000 people who I don't know are more valuable to me than 10 people I do know? So it's like, you know, you have 10 people, your mom and your 10 best friends, of which, you know, how do we know how many people we have best friends, right? They watch your stuff and they like it, right? And you think to yourself, I'm such a failure. It hit 10 people, right? And then, or you can have 40,000 people you've never met, you have no interaction to, you don't know, and that's all of a sudden seen as successful. So it's an interesting thing, because it's like, if you follow that down the road, it's like, what am I, and, and, and how do I value, how do I put my value out in the world, and more than that, how, do I, how am I seen? And we all know, and this is a profoundly deep like concept, that there is nothing more intoxicating there is nothing more valuable in the world than the sense of being seen and being understood. I heard it from Oprah. She said that after every person that she interviewed, and it didn't matter from an axe murderer to a to a you know to you know the equivalent of a Mother Teresa, right? Uh, you know, across the spectrum, at the end of that, everybody went back to her and said, 
How did I do? Meaning that the most intrinsic value a person might have is this sense of being seen. And if you don't have that, this sense of loneliness, the sense that we're misunderstood, that we're not there, that, that, that esoteric fundamental challenge that, that spurs so much need to go out there, it's so fundamental. And again, it's interesting because if you think to yourself, okay, maybe, again, I'll use a Jewish example, but if you think about how much has been how much how much literature how many stories have been built by the call to adventure or by the need for love or whatever it might be there are all kinds of these needs spur creativity so if at the at the base the most fundamental needs of am i alone in the world or not can i express myself that's literally fueled everything we write we connect we talk because we want to be in a social connection fascinatingly enough there's a famous rabbi that asked this question he says you know it's weird why is it that animals when they're born are so much more complete that within hours or days of them being born they're more or less able to eat to stand up whatever whereas a human if we're lucky we become self you know self whatever it is you know uh self-efficient and maybe we can say by the time we're i don't know 35 40 50 something like that but we know that's that's not really true because you still need your friends and then the government to take care of you at the end of your life. I'm just kidding about that. But the idea is this rabbi says we're born so incomplete. And he says because the ability to have proper social connections is as fundamental to a human being as the 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 nature as as anything else that we have in our lives and that's so important so it's interesting because if this fuels so much stuff and again think about it take it to all of its conclusions right the the fashion industry the way that we dress the kinds of um things that we wear so often what we're trying to do is to express out to the world this is my individuality that you should see and people are able to look at that and think okay so i can take advantage or i can use that to my opportunity so if you want to create a brand so to speak or if you want to market to a certain group you have to think to yourself what does that group want what helps them feel understood much more so than i want to put something out i need to understand that the people i want to talk to need to be understood so it's a fundamental thing but this isn't a business class what we're trying to do is to get to this root, to get to a recognition that we are all profoundly lonely and that we are all, by nature, we are all profoundly needy of being seen and being understood. I'm not saying it's a weakness. I'm saying it is, right? The people that don't have this or the people that aren't understood are the most dangerous in the sense that things become so much more normal once you, if you, if the outcast, I mean, that's, that's a common theme. Oftentimes, again, we don't want to generalize, but you know, why shouldn't we generalize? But if you look at the people that, that propagate great evil, the majority of the people that propagate great evil in the world, rarely are they female. There, of course, are plenty that are, right? But most serial killers you'll find somewhat socially outcast. You'll also find usually that they're male, and most of them are not in a conventional relationship. Now, again, you have the outliers for sure, and I actually study a lot of this, so I can give you all the outliers myself. But the point is that the need or the, the, the net result of a person having a sense of being seen, a sense of 
value, a sense of people needing you and wanting you and loving you, that fills us up. And that's usually the thing that allows us to have a productive life and to pursue things that are meaningful to us. So that if a person has this sense that they're able to find a sense of appreciation, a sense that somebody sees them and understands them and accepts them, there could be no greater thing in the world. So what that means is if we can go back, like where does that come from and why do we have it? So there's a very fascinating idea. In, in, in Judaism, oftentimes we try to go back to the source to understand why something is. And that's just not a Jewish idea. That should be an everything idea. That's why history hopefully should be fascinating because it's like the world just didn't happen this way. Like things led up to this. And if you understand why things happen the way that they do, chances are you'll understand the world a lot better. And you're like, well, that's true about history, but that's also true about medicine. That's true about biology. That's true about chemistry. And it's like, absolutely. So going back to something source and understanding it deeply is profoundly important which is why we do this. But if you think to yourself, okay, well, why does man possess this need to be seen? Why does man naturally sit with this sense of loneliness? Again, men, women, that's the interchangeable humanity. I apologize, right? Why does humanity have this challenge or, or, or this character trait? Let's not even call it a challenge, call it a character trait. Have this character trait where they want to be seen and if they don't feel seen, they feel profoundly lonely. So it's very interesting because the deeper Jewish sources explain that man was created alone, alone. And you'll say, okay, the male and female was created together, but still created alone. They weren't two initially, they were one. And the deep sources explain because that what this is trying to set up is the nature of the uniqueness of the human, human being and also the solution to that. I'm going to delve into that for a moment if that's right, if we think about this. So step number one, why was man created alone? Deep, deep, watch. So one of the commentaries, Rashi says, that there is this idea that if a person, humanity is so fundamentally different on an intellectual level from the rest of the world out there, that if man didn't end up pairing off with his wife, again, we're going to go a little bit further, right? When, when Adam and, and Eve separated, there's a concept, again, for those who are not familiar, that initially there was one person that had both genders, and then the genders separated. And on the spot, the commentator explains why. Because if there wasn't this partnering and this partnership, the human creation that was unique and alone would think that just like there was one God in heaven, there'd be one God on earth. So um, the, one creation on earth, which would be the human being. So the natural drive when a person by themselves looks around at the world, looks around at the complexity of the world, but then thinks about the uniqueness of the human being, the ability for us to talk, the ability for us to, to think and to create and to do and to, and again, you just like think it's a crazy thing, right? Yes, the natural world is a beautiful world, but it's like we are doing all of these crazy things that puts us, we're weak at the end of the day, but we build these systems and these cities and these weapons and all this stuff that so we so outbox, so to speak, our weight class, right? And if a a person was left to their own devices they would we they would drown in their in their in their ego in the sense of how important they were and so the the, the commentator explains 
that we separated the genders because therefore they would work one against the other, work together in tandem, and keep their ego in check. It's a beautiful concept. Again, there are certain people, and this is such a revolutionary idea, especially if you take into place how old these stories are, but there's an amazing idea that man and woman, by definition, are equal in value because if they weren't, and there was this hierarchy that you see appear in all kinds of cultures, right, where the man is better than the wife, or again, I don't think this happens so often, but the wife is held in higher esteem than the husband. It would, it would fundamentally undo the reason why people separated in the first place. Ultimately, the idea of being in relationship is to put your ego in check. That being said, prior to that, we needed the ego boost. We needed to appreciate how important we are. Now, let's go into that perspective. Why is that important? Easy, because if a person, again, there's a famous saying, it says that Jewish, that, 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 that people are loved because they're made in God's image, but even more than that, that they know that they're made in God's image. So there's a certain concept that a person has to develop an awareness and appreciation of their own potential. That if they don't have this sense of their own potential, then, then disaster ensues. Why is that so important? Because if a person does not appreciate what they can do, how important they are, how valuable they are, the chances of them going and accomplishing and building and creating is next to zero. So the first and the most important thing that a person should do is to turn into themselves. If you feel like you just don't fit, if you feel like you're pathetic or you're, you're lost or you're depressed or you're frustrated, the first thing you have to do is to look and ask yourself, what is my potential? What are my gifts? What are the things that I know I can accomplish? And that's not ego whatsoever. That's the thing that will empower you to go out and do something. If a person has a sense of themselves and they're able to go out and to accomplish, right? So what happens there is that then they can start to grow into a human being. That they can, again, you think about like a child. It's like you want to empower the kid to appreciate, you know, okay, you're a big kid now. You know, now you get to, Go to the bathroom on your own. Go to bed by yourself. You know, son, you got to go out and get a job. You know, whatever it might be. So we empower the children by seeing their own greatness, by stoking their ego a little bit so that they can go out and create in the world. So the idea is that humanity had to start by being alone, by not seeing themselves as just part of the plants or part of the animals that just kind of bounce around all day long on a preset conditions. And it's like, no, people have free will. People are unique. People are different. We have the ability to create and to think. And so the reason why that's so important is that if we know that, then we can start to demand higher things from ourselves. We can start to think, what could I do? If you see your own potential, you can start to dream in bigger pictures. One of the fundamentals, something that I, that I, it's a hard lesson, but I, but I learned it and it's amazing. I can see it in the, in the eyes of people. It's like, if you never made money from a, from a product or a service that you yourself sold or you yourself made, you always wonder like, could I ever do it? Right. And the first time you make that sale, the first time you see, I can get someone to pay me or I could, you know, whatever it might be, it opens your mind up and you think to yourself, wow, like I could do this. I could do something else. The first time you see the seed sprout forth of your potential, you suddenly start to think, what if I really honed my skills? So the reason why we had to be created separate, unique, and distinct is because we needed to build 
into our awareness, to build our ego, to be able to appreciate going out and creating something in the world. Now, the flip side and the necessity of that and the reality of that is, at the same time, what happened was that man was realized he was alone in the world. So that's literally at the point by which we created, we were started, our, our genesis spec is loneliness, that we're all by ourselves, and that we are unique in the world, and that there's only one of us. And the fascinating idea is that that point of loneliness was absolutely fundamental. So the rabbis take two approaches on that. The first approach is that that sense of lack, that sense of need, is that which propels us to go out and to seek meaning and to seek connection to other people. It's that hunger we have because we come from this deep sense that we don't want to be alone, that we don't want to be, again, and you can even look at the evolutionary perspective of this. People that look at that and they say, well, you don't want to get bucked out of the tribe because that's death. And it's like, yeah, but even from a religious, from a Jewish perspective, it's like, you know, no one wants to be left out alone because it's lonely out there. It's difficult. It's hard. And we're not built that way. We are communal creatures. So one one approach is to say that the need came from an appreciation that I need connection. And so how is that relevant today all the way up to 2020 or whenever we're watching this? So that shows us that if I feel lonely, go out and get connected. As much as the internet tries to provide that shot of, 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 of that boost where you're, where you're distracted, because distraction is not connection. Right, It allows us to be distraction, but if you feel lost and you feel lonely, go out and make a connection. You can't feel helpless when you're being helpful. Right, So reach out and create that thing for you if you're feeling it. But I'd like to drill at something even more profound, I think, which is this concept that if a person thinks to themselves, right, they think to themselves, I'm alone. You go back to the first person, right, to the first human, and you realize who was out there. It's you and it's God. And that's the fundamentals that a person has to create in themselves. So when a person thinks about loneliness, what that usually indicates is they're not okay with themselves. They're not able to sit by themselves. You think to yourself, oh boy, here we go, right? But the truth is, how many people feel like they can't be by themselves? How many people, if you shut down, again, for me, it's the first time I started keeping Shabbat, it's like, well, now what am I going to do, right? Or or, or like when, when everything shuts off, like what kind of a person am I? You start to ask these like deep theoretical questions. Could I be alone? What if all the noise stops? And the interesting thing is if you don't ever ask those kinds of questions, if you don't ever do this kind of work, even if you're in a relationship with someone, even if you're surrounded by people, it becomes very codependent and you're needing them to look at you and to tell you who you are. And the flip side is that you have to realize that long before I find closeness, I find connection, I find meaning with somebody else, I have to find it within myself. I have to find it by myself. I have to find it for myself. I need to learn how to be okay with myself. But I didn't exactly tell you the whole truth. Why? Because in addition to man there, God was there. And so that's the second point. So it's like as I start to develop myself, I have to develop my spirituality. And that's been lost in a lot of ways for a lot of people because of 
Well, sake of brevity, I'm not going to go into why that is, but basically people think religion is just kind of prescripted, and God looks one way, and he wants you to be one way, and you're a naughty boy or girl if you don't do it that way, X, Y, and Z. And the reality is that's not true. God is infinite, and the relationships that we can have are infinite. And just like if you think about a friend, you could have a billion different relationships with a friend, or a, a, a romantic partner, or, or, or kids, or your boss, or your employees. Like every single type of relationship, there's millions of ways, of tons of permutations of what that relationship can look like. And the most important thing when you're trying to consider what they're, again, and, and that's also fascinating is that people think the relationship just kind of are, right? And it's like, this person annoys me. And it's like, no, that's not true. You might be doing something that's offensive to that person, right? So we have the ability, instead of just kind of being happenstance when it comes to the relationships that we have with people, or again, just use people as an example, we have to realize that by studying how relationships work and by studying how people work, we can actually fix change and develop how all those relationships are. And you take it one step further. What, again, no one, who would ask such a question? But do you think to yourself, what do you want your relationship with God to look like? What should that look like? How do you get there? What does you, what do you want? People are like, relationship with God, like it is what it is. No, not true. It's fascinating. One of the things, again, Jews pray three times a day. One of the things that we say when we pray, they say three times a day, and everyone's heard it, Abraham, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You think to yourself, like, why do you have to tell me that? Like, how is that relevant? So one of the deep sources explained that each one of those patriarchs, it's not the patriarch we're talking about. We're saying that God showed up different for each one of these people. So each one of these people were able to build and chart their own relationship with God. And you're like, wow, that's sick. I'd love that. But then you think to yourself, how do I accomplish that? Well, how did they accomplish that? The truth is they knew themselves. So they had to get to know themselves in order to know what kind of relationship would be fulfilling with God. So that's that concept is that when you think to yourself, why is there loneliness and what does it affect and why is it so hard to be seen? The answer is oftentimes you don't know how to see yourself. You don't know how to deal with yourself. And once you know how to deal with yourself, you know how to build yourself. You know how to sit with yourself. You know how to be good with yourself and accept yourself and love yourself. Suddenly you can use that and chart that relationship back to God. And you can say, God, this is who I am. This is who I'm becoming. These are my fears. These are my, this is all my stuff. And you can love and you can accept yourself because there's no one else. All that matters is you. And I always, I, I bring that quote up a lot. This idea, we say that a person has to know what has to go in their world, right? It says that the, that the root uh, in, of, of, of being a, 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 a righteous person, a holy person is to know your responsibilities in your world, your world, which means that you have to develop a real perspective of who you are and what your world was supposed to look like. Right? So if you don't do that, no matter who you surround yourself with, no matter how many accolades or how much money or how fit or all of this stuff that we run after thinking is going to make us feel full, it never makes us feel full because the foundation of being fulfilled is being good with yourself. Whoa, that's profound because we run to do all of this stuff that we think is going to matter. And the reality is we all know people that have all achieved all of this stuff. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, people that have achieved all the stuff you want to achieve, right? And if not, you need different friends or social circles or, you know, spend more time on LinkedIn potentially, right? But find people that have done what you want to do. And you will realize by getting to know these people that it does not necessarily mean that they're happy. You think, okay, well, you know, for me, it would make me happy. Probably not, right? The reality is being happy, being content, feeling good about yourself, 
And whatever goals you have, both of them are important. But you have to be able to address both of them. Because if you want to make a bunch of money and you, because you think it'll make you happy, it's not going to make you happy. You want to be happy, you want to make a bunch of money. Fantastic. So then figure it out. And right now we can make steps towards being happy, being content, being fulfilled, feeling good about ourselves because it comes back to learning I want to be content with loneliness. I want to be content with loneliness because loneliness can teach me something. Because when I'm lonely, it's me. I'm the only one there. And I have to sit and focus on myself and develop the relationship with myself. And again, you say, isn't that selfish? It's like, no, it's not selfish. Because if you don't do this, the relationship that you have with everybody else is going to be stinted and closed off and sometimes resentful. You're like, why are you doing this? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to say no. It's like, oh, okay, you're right. And all of that stuff shows you don't have a great relationship with yourself. And and that's why so much focus has to go on who you are and being good with who you are. And that's becoming so difficult in the modern day because it's so prescribed who we're supposed to be. And all of our, you know, our feeds and stuff like that are showing us be like this, be like that, be like the other thing. And you're like, I don't, I'm unique, right? So the greatest antidote to the chaos of modern day is to go back to that piece of being alone and leverage being alone to realize A, that you want to connect, but most importantly, B, that you want to get to know yourself. And when you know yourself and you can kind of create your own uniqueness and you can learn to listen to yourself, I would take, I take myself out. I go for walks. I sit down. I like myself now. I worked very hard. I was always like around people. Eventually I was like, what am I so scared of? Go out and do stuff you like. And it's like, I don't know. Like for me, my, my I like water. Water, that's a theme for me. So I go to the beach, I go to the lake, I sit there, I think, I'm, I'm thrilled, I love it, I, it's great. I had this, I'll just, you know, my, I'll, put my, I'll put it out on the line there. I had a moment where I was up in LA and I, and I went to the beach, went to Malibu, and I was sitting outside and I got, I went to, a, I, there was a nice little bar there and I got myself a nice glass of scotch and I'm sitting there with my scotch and I'm looking over the Pacific Ocean and I'm like, oh God, this is amazing. And I grabbed my phone because I wanted to send pictures to my wife. I wanted to send pictures to my friend. And all of a sudden I was like, what are you doing, dude? This is the same thing. This is for you. Yeah, maybe it's nice. They look at me that I went to the beach, whatever it was. I had a drink on the beach. It was nice. And it's like, no, that's not the point of why I'm doing it. I'm doing this for me. So I had to put the phone away and just sit there and appreciate it. I was like, it, and, and, and I'm telling you, it was the most meaningful personal experience for me because I wasn't trying to ship it off and sell it to somebody else, right? Even if it was the people I usually want to connect with. So that's that's an important point. You want to find yourself first and, and, and you want to, the loneliness, you want to use it as your friend. And that's the most important thing when it comes to facing any of your fears is that the worst thing we have is the unknown. The best thing we have is the reality that all of human psychologists will tell you about, which is exposure therapy. There's nothing intrinsically scary in the world, right? The reality is that it's us that find those things scary. And the way that we are able to work through those fears is by looking at them, facing them, facing them a little bit at a time. If the idea of spending an hour with yourself is intimidating, spend five minutes with yourself. Turn off the radio for five minutes. Think about what happens. Go to the beach for five minutes. Take five minutes of your, again, slowly, 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 right? But the idea is that ultimately by looking at the things that fear us, especially in our greatest fear of being alone and left alone and all that kind of stuff, eventually what we want to do is to see that as an asset, to say to ourselves, I'm so good with myself. I so appreciate, I so love myself that I'm fine being alone. And as soon as you're fine being alone, then you can think I can show up and express myself fully to all the people in my life. So it's a very basic formula, which is that being alone is a blessing because it allows us to learn and it 
forces us. We need to know who we are. And when we have that, we're never really alone because God's out there and God wants a relationship with us, but he wants it with us, with our uniqueness. So we have to go again, go back, find your uniqueness, connect it to God, connect it to other people. And that's the whole point. Leverage your fears, go towards your fears, break through your fears, appreciate your fears, expose yourself to your fears. And then you see yourself in your own life be expanding consistently beyond what you thought. And that's the deepest idea because ultimately, right, that's the beauty of the way that life works is that life unfolds out of a small thing. It's almost spring in Minneapolis. So you're seeing the leaves that are just starting to come out, right? Everything's there, but it's not totally as expressed. That's us. We're seeds. We're all waiting to express. And as we face our fears and grow beyond that and see new areas of responsibility that we can create, we, we, we continue to blossom. And that makes our life interesting. And that allows it to continue to grow. Thank you very much. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.